morning. Uh, those who are visiting, we're especially glad to have you with us. And we're happy to have Brother Tom Childers with us and his wife and some of his family too, uh, who of course many of you know and uh, preached here for a number of years. And so we're, I'm not going to take up his time, but we're indeed glad to have him. Mm -hmm. and I'm going to turn it over to him right now. It is certainly good to be with you this morning. I appreciate very much the opportunity to come back and visit. Uh, we have with us our grandson and uh, his new wife. Uh, they'll be married a year in March. And um, his mother, Zach Johnson's mother, was about 12 years old when we lived here. So uh, that shows you uh, time tends to move on. This has really been a good experience for me because what I've been able to do since receiving the invitation to come and speak, um, it has given me an opportunity to go back and reflect and think about uh, what was accomplished whenever we were here. We were here from 1979. Actually, we moved the last of 78, but the first sermon that I preached was in uh, 79 in January. And uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about that in just a moment. But uh, what I want to do for probably half of our time is just go back and reminisce. I know many of you were not here, uh, but I want to give you some feel of what it was like and some of the things that we accomplished uh, here. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about personal things, and then the second hour I plan to talk about uh, some of the things that the church was involved in. My first contact with this congregation was actually in 1976. I preached at the old building. I had made plans to go to attend the Warren Flu debate, and that was in September 1976. I preached Sunday morning at Vernon, Alabama, and I drove till I found a place to uh, worship at six o'clock. And I spent the night with uh, Garland Elkins, and he and I and uh, about three other preachers drove out to uh, hear Brother Warren in that debate. I, I was running a little late when I got to the building and I thought, well, I'll be able to just kind of slip in and sit on the back seat and that'll be it. And so I got at, uh, at the building at about three or four minutes after six. And I thought, well, they'll be already singing and I can just come on the back seat. Well, lo and behold, for some strange reason, the Olive Branch Church started their services at 10 minutes after six. As a matter of fact, the first sign we put out here was 10 minutes after 6. And I don't know why you've changed to 6. It's always been at 10 minutes after 6. So not only uh, did I get there in time, but I was asked to preach. So I preached that Sunday night. Whenever we moved here, um, the last of 1978, we moved in the house next to uh, the, the church building on Blocker. And... Uh, I preached my first sermon January the 7th, and we just had an ice storm. We did not have any electricity, and we went ahead with services, and I remember very distinctly the only light we had in the building, they opened the back doors all the way, and there was that bright sun shining across the snow coming into my face. I couldn't really see a person in the audience. They were just a kind of a, a shadow. And I preached uh, on lessons we could learn from the bad weather. And so that was my first experience. Also what happened, uh, I had moved several times and always enjoyed moving. You know, a good number of years ago, preachers would only stay two or three years. 
and it was very rare if they stayed much longer than that. So uh, preachers moved fairly often. And, uh, but I got kind of uh, out of the mood of moving after I came to Olive Branch because we moved in the house on Blocker and the elders told me, he said, don't unpack your stuff because we're negotiating for a house on West Branch. So six weeks later, we had to do it all over again and move into that. And moving has not been near as much fun since that time. I was here whenever this uh, foundation had just been poured. And uh, the church worked together to build this building. All of these beams up above are all of the uh, roof part. Uh, tongue and groove uh, was put on by members of the church. And one of the men I remember was Brother Alfred Robertson. Uh, he, I think, had relatives in Ripley, Mississippi. He was 76 years old, but he outworked all the rest of us. I, was, I really bro uh, loved uh, Brother Alfred, and he was a hard worker, and I remember him often. We had moved into this new building, uh, I think around uh, Thanksgiving of 1980, we had a dedication, I think uh, December the 2nd. Um, Alan Hire spoke, Lyndon Graves led the singing. And uh, two or three months later, we were in the process of just moving stuff over here. We didn't move everything at one time. And one of the things that uh, happened was, I went over to the building one, uh, I think it was on a Tuesday uh, that I went over to the building, the old building, went down in the basement and there was a strange sight that I saw. There had been a fire down in that building and uh, the curtains had burned off the wall. And I thought, well, I better call, and there was a window that was broken right underneath uh, where those curtains were. And I thought, I better call the police and call the fire department and report this. Looks like somebody's tried to burn the building down. So they came over and as, they, as I was waiting, I noticed there was an extension cord plugged into the ceiling and run and draped over the rod. And what had happened is that extension cord had shorted out and caused the fire. And uh, on Wednesday night, I made the observation in my devotional comments, uh, basically, you, we need to be careful about jumping to conclusions because I had, my first thought is somebody deliberately tried to burn the building down, which as it turned out was not the case. The next day after I made that statement, I'm in, uh, a Greek class at Harding Graduate, and I get a phone call, and they say, the church at Olive Branch is on fire. Well, of course, they meant the building, but, you know, it'd be nice if the church uh, everywhere was on fire, but they were referring to the church building, and so I drove uh, from there, came immediately, and sure enough, the fire department was here, and the building had, had burned down. It was really, really a sad, uh, sad situation to see all of that that, that took place. It was in December 1980 that I was out shopping. Uh, it was probably, you know, it was back in those days in which you didn't shop in November or July. You shop, waited to December to do your Christmas shopping. And I'm trying to pick out a, a, a something for our children for Christmas. And I end up getting a computer for them. They could play games on it. It plugged into a TV set. It was a Radio Shack Tandy computer. You operated off a cassette. This was before the days of floppy disks, before the days of hard drives, all of that. And uh, so the kids enjoyed that for about two months, and then there it was. 
Well, I got involved in it in, a, uh, in trying to use it from the standpoint of word processing and databases and that sort of thing. And so that kind of got me hooked. And for at least 25 years, I have uh, appeared on the Free Dartmouth Lectureship. I will be there in a couple weeks or so and talking about how we can use computers in uh, the Lord's work. So over on West Branch, that's where all of this began as far as my love and my working with computers. And I, what I've done over the years is I've tried, I got into it from the standpoint of trying to help preachers, showing them how to use computers, uh, church secretaries, how they can use it. And uh, I still do some cons consulting. It's usually with college students. Uh, right now I've been working with one of the one of the fine young preacher students and he's having problems with his computer and so I put a new hard drive on it and stuff like that. Uh, some of the college kids will bring their iPhones that they've dropped and I will replace the screen on them. I don't charge them anything, I just do it uh, because that gives me something to do. Uh, so we, we had some great experiences while we were here and I'll tell a little bit more about these things uh, a little bit later on. Except I think I better go ahead and tell this one because if I don't tell it, I'll probably forget it. We had moved into the building and I noticed, uh, you know, these starlings, they will build anywhere and you can't run them off. You have to kill them. Well, we had a starling that had built a nest in the vent coming out from the, uh, from the kitchen. They built it up there. Some way, somehow, that starling had worked itself. Instead of coming out, it decided to go the other direction and probably went down, I'm not sure how it got in the building, but that's, that's the way it got in the building. So I get here Sunday morning and I'm preaching and there is a starling flying around in this building. Well, Brother Tom Holland uh, told uh, us as preacher students, he said, now if there's a distraction, one of the things you wanna do is you wanna make sure to let everybody know you know about the distraction because otherwise they'll kind of laugh under their breath and think, well, he, he doesn't even see that. Well, I made comment about the bird, and every point I'd make, it would fly from here to fly over there. And uh, as I remember, this, this top part up here was, was open. It was not there. So uh, Monday morning, um, after dealing with that bird, Monday morning, I decided I was going to follow through with Paul's exhortation to Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. You know, one of the works of an evangelist is to get your BB gun and come to the building and get rid of that bird. Well, I shot at it a couple of times and there's some, probably some BBs in the walls here. I'm not real sure, but uh, I thought, well, this is not gonna work. And another passage I thought about is, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him pray to God and ask for wisdom. Well, eventually I decided I, it occurred to me that birds will fly to the light. So I turned all the lights off and I opened these two doors and kind of stood back and sure enough, here with this starlet. Instead of going toward those glass doors, it took a right and went down the hallway and in about a second and a half, I heard thump. It flew into the glass door down there. It wasn't completely dead until I got there, but I, I felt like that it had committed a crime worthy of death in interrupting my sermons and all of the things that I had to do. So, um, by the way, I was going to put this up on the screen, but we're having a little bit of problems with it. Uh, but I've got my back up here. Um, and while I think about it, uh, instead of putting most of the pictures up here, 
I have set up a computer in the fellowship room, so if, when we have our meal and whenever you have time and that sort of thing, well, we'd be glad for you to go by and look at some of those photographs. Uh, some of those uh, you will recognize. Um, some of them are our family and some are of members here. What I want to do right now is to talk about the history of the church here at Olive Branch. The town of Olive Branch has been here for a long time. It's not been very big. Um, it was not very big when I was here. Everybody pretty well knew everybody. Uh, none of these businesses were around. I could drive, I would come out from West Branch and make a stop, turn right, and there was one four-way stop, and the next stop I had was I was downtown Memphis visiting the hospital. Uh, you can't do that today. Uh, there was one little store just beyond that four-way stop. There was not any other businesses. And so things really took off uh, after we were here. Let me read this statement to you. This is from Joe Alley in 1953, uh, History of Churches in Mississippi. He said, DeSoto County has a total population of 24,599. Of this number, only 56 are members of two churches of Christ which exist there. The church in Hernando is the oldest in the county, having begun in 1929. Uh, M.C. Sparks, uh, Raleigh Wooten, and Samuel Bolin preach in DeSoto County. So there were three preachers. This was around 1953. One of the things that I try is I uh, educate to the best of my ability people about the Lord's church is one of the things that people oftentimes misunderstand is the, sometimes there is the impression that the church has not been here very long. When you stop and think about this church here, Olive Branch has been in existence for probably a hundred years before there's a, a Church of Christ established here. You think, well, uh, the church came along uh, really late. That is not really the case. When I was growing up, uh, my hometown, home congregation is Ripley, Mississippi. When I was growing up there, I was told that the church at Ripley started in 1923. But the Baptists and Methodists and Presbyterians had been there uh, almost 100 years before Churches of Christ got there. It opened up as a uh, county uh, in uh, 1836. So the impression that I got as a young person is Churches of Christ started way, way, way much later. But as I began to do research, I found that that's not the case. For instance, probably within five miles of where, there were, where I was born, there was a Church of Christ before 1840. Matter of fact, in 1840, there were three or four congregations. One of the congregations had 90 members and they had three elders. So one of the things you need to understand when you think about the history of the church, usually the way we do this is we date uh, the church being started about the date of this particular congregation here. But oftentimes there may be another congregation close by that had been there for a long time and just went out of existence. Just like churches are now closing their doors because they're in the rural areas. It will not be very long until only the older people will remember about those churches. If you go down here into Tate County, uh, just a few miles from Crockett, there is buried a man by the name of James E. Matthews. And he's the person, he's buried out in, uh, in the pasture. Uh, his grave is not even marked. Um, 
but we have that tombstone and we're trying to figure out some way to preserve that tombstone. It's out in the cow pasture. But this man is the man who baptized Talbert Fanning. And Talbert Fanning, along with uh, Lipscomb, started the Gospel Advocate in 1855. So as far back as the 1840s, or maybe even earlier than that, the Gospel has been preached in this particular area. I preached for five years at the New Hope Congregation, probably 50 or 60 miles from here, and in 1830 there was a man uh, who turned in his license to preach and he said, I want to be just a Christian. I want to follow just the Bible. So the church in this area, in West Tennessee and Northern Mississippi, has been here for a long, long time. Now, we may not have all the records. Sometimes historians, uh, they will tell about other churches, but they won't tell about churches of Christ. Another thing is, as churches of Christ, we are not known for keeping real good church records. I was going through your church directory, and uh, there were several that I had. And as far as I remember, there's not a single history that's mentioned in that church directory. So what I would encourage you to do here at Olive Branch is start right now and somebody do a church history. Because the older people are dying and we, the further, the longer we wait, the less likely it is for us to get a record. You need a record of every preacher who preached here. You need a record of as much as was possible. And you need to do that for your children and your grandchildren. Because they will appreciate it one of these days. So one of the reasons why we don't read about churches of Christ in the uh, books that are put together about the counties and so forth is because we have not done a real good job of keeping uh, records and reporting that and passing it on. Not very far from where I was born also, there is a man by the name of, this is a picture of his tombstone. He was born in 1837 <clears throat> and he died in 1911. On his tombstone, it says, In life, non-sectarian, an humble disciple of Christ, a Christian, always advocating the unity of the faith and the bond of peace. He worshiped God and loved mankind, his creed, the Bible. And we're going to be talking about the seed principle. We're going to be talking about the restoration movement. And what all that is, is the idea that I'm going to take just the Bible and nothing but the Bible, and I'm going to follow that Bible to the best of my ability, and I'm going to live according to what it says, and I'm going to teach that to my children, and I'm going to teach that to my grandchildren. And I'm going to make that plea, and I'm going to do everything I can to make sure it's passed on to the next generation. Because all you have to do is preach at a place and then be gone for 30-something years and come back and you realize life is very short. Churches change very, very quickly. So let me challenge you to work on this. Surely there's someone in this congregation that can, or maybe several of you, can work together and see that this is accomplished. In the 1930 Gospel Advocate, there's a man, there's a report by the, uh, a man by the name of D.L. Robinson, R-O-B-I-N-S-O-N, and he sends this report from Olive Branch, Mississippi. And here's what he says, I preached at Hernando, Mississippi, Sunday to a small crowd at the courthouse. There are just a few who meet here, and they seem to be faithful. They need some aid in preaching and in establishing the church here. 
I wish all our brethren would uh, be put up against the world and learn the lesson like I have and brethren like these have. I am trying to do my part to help them. Here's a man living here, or at least he's reporting from here. He gives this address. He's actually from Middle Tennessee. And what I appreciate about this man, and I had a, sorry about that, but I had a picture of him to put on the slide. But, um, and by the way, I, oh, it's up there. How about that? Surprise. Okay, let me see if I can. I tell you what, I'll, I'll just let, I'll let y'all control it, okay? Okay, y'all just keep up with it. That, that's the best way to do it anyway. This man, what I appreciate about this man is the fact that according to the Gospel Advocate in about 1933, he comes to Ashland, Mississippi, and he preaches and baptizes. You know who he baptizes? My great-grandfather and my grandfather. So all in this area for a long time, the gospel of Jesus Christ is being preached. And so we need not to ever forget that. Here, here is W.A. Pohl. And let's see, that's the next slide after that picture. There we go. You can see what I've seen now. W.A. Pohl. Anybody know, ever remember W.A. Pohl? All right, one person. I need to talk to you after we, uh, when we have lunch together. Nobody else knows? Uh... I don't. Okay. He was an elder of the church at Highland. Now, you say, how did you know that? Well, I started two weeks ago doing research on it. I didn't know that until two weeks ago or three weeks ago. So the material's out there and you can find it. He was an elder and a preacher. And what he did is, and I think he's from over in West Tennessee because he's over, he comes over and preaches at Christian Chapel where, the, where Brother Bradfield, W.A. Bradfield was from. So here's what he says, a new congregation, this is May the 9th, uh, 1955. That's the year I was baptized. A new congregation was started to Olive Branch on May 1. We met in the school building at the first service, 46 were present. The work is being assisted by the Highland Street Church in Memphis. I am doing the preaching. One was restored yesterday. And the next slide shows uh, the marker, the memorial rather, of uh, William Arthur Pohl. He was born 1895 in Wildersville, Henderson County, Tennessee. And uh, then he died in 1976 and he's buried at Memorial Park. Here's another report that he gave in uh, June 1955. A new congregation was started. Well, that's the, no, that's, that's a new one. A new congregation was started at Olive Branch, Mississippi on May 1. We met in the school building. Did I just read that? Uh, I thought that sounded familiar. Let's look at the next one. Uh, last Sunday at Olive Branch, two-place membership. George H. Stevenson preached for us. J.E. Eddy is doing a splendid job leading our singing uh, each Lord's Day. Anybody know any of these men? Uh, Eddy. Yes. All right. See, we need to know something. About, see, I don't know who that is. So that, you know, you need to find out and pass that. It's not enough just to have the information yourself. You need to pass it on. Put it in the form so that your children and grandchildren, after you're gone, it'll be there so they can read it and they, they can appreciate it. 
One of the things that uh, I think we neglect is that we're not teaching our young people about our heritage and how important it is and all the hard work. See, somebody needs to be reminded of what Brethren did here at Olive Branch. In just those four years I was here, uh, the, the people that worked together, the people that sacrificed, I mean, that, that has to be a means of encouragement to all of us. Here's another report, uh, August 25th, 1956 at Olive Branch, Mississippi. We have a nice brick veneer building under construction. We closed a meeting uh, last night and so forth. Um, there's a picture of the old church building. And I know what direction the sun shines. It shines uh, at 10 o'clock in the morning right through those front doors, or it did, because I had to stare at it for a while. By the way, I didn't preach very long. I mean, it's about 15 minutes. Um, Bill York, I worked with Joe Nichols of Olive Branch, Mississippi in April. Four were baptized, 19 restored. I began a meeting this week at uh, Ingleside Church near Corpus Christi. And lo and behold, I found this. I forgot about uh, sending this in. But in 1979, this is the report that I sent in. Oops. I've got something interfering with me. Well, I may have to. Well, I pushed the wrong button. Anybody ever done that before? Okay, here we go. Uh, the address that I gave was 6356 South Blocker. I think that was the church address because uh, this late in 79, we were on West Branch, our, our home address. But anyway, this is what I said. The church at Isle Branch had an open house and dedication of their new building, new church building on December 2 at 2 p.m. And I remember very plainly that day. The reason I remember it plainly, Brother Linyard Graves, Carol grew up listening to Brother Linyard Graves from Beach Hill, had a rich, baritone, loud, loud voice. And so he called me and said, what songbook do y'all use? He was uh, getting ready to pick out the songs. And I said, this is what we used. And the first thing he said when he got up was, uh, he complained that I gave him the name of the song, wrong songbook. And he just chewed me out upside down to the other. I mean, right here in this building, which is, that's okay. That's what Brother Lenyard Graves did. That's what you would expect him to do when you didn't do the right thing about giving the right songbook. So even today, I can't even keep up the name of the songbooks. I couldn't tell you the songbook we used. But anyway, uh, here is uh, the cost of the building, about $500,000, uh, where it's located, uh, three hundred sixty with expansion to over 1000 And here's a picture of that church building coming up. And that doesn't show up very good. At, yes, that is snow. I started to say it looked like snow, but that is snow. Um, back in those days, we had quite a bit of snow. But the thing that I want you to see is there's no service station there. and There's nothing else around there. Uh, it's just a, just a very vacant place. So what we want to do is uh, we want to talk about this matter of keeping the restoration movement alive. And so the next hour, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about how do we go about doing that? What, how, how are we going to accomplish that? So we've got about seven or eight minutes, and what I'd like to do now is uh, just let you tell me something you remember about the church at Olive Branch, uh, something that you recall, and if you can't think of something, I probably will come up with something. Yes, Kathy?
Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Seven years old. You remember things like that, don't you? One of the things that I remember about the old building, of course, remember I'm about 30, I'm not sure, 30, I hadn't figured it out yet, about 37, 38. I'm not 40 yet, I don't think, when I'm here. Uh, our children are from what, uh, eighth grade down to Tim is five years old, I think. And so I'm kind of a young whippersnapper. I got a big head of hair. Well, it's beginning to get thin, but uh, I've got uh, a whole lot more than I have now. But I remember how we played volleyball. And that old building, it had a bowl shape at the back. It had a basement and it was bowl shaped. And it was a perfect place to play volleyball uh, because you never lost the ball unless it, you let it go down this way. You'd have to run, if it was down at the other end, you'd have to run after it. Uh, out here, we played uh, volleyball after services, even on the pavement. Uh, one of the things that I remember so distinctly is how the church worked together. And we also played together. Uh, I have pictures back here in the back of when there's a snow out here. David Taylor hooks his little vehicle with a hatchback on. He hooks it up to some kind of round sled, one of those things and has a rope on it and pulls the kids around this building. Uh, we just, we worked together, but we also, uh, we played together. We had good times together. It was, it was just a very pleasant situation. And we enjoyed it uh, very, very much. Matter of fact, I wouldn't mind us sometime this afternoon, if weather permits, get out and have another volleyball game. I don't know whether we got a net or not. Yes. Yes. Was this Margie's uh, uh, husband? Yes, Margie's. Okay. I, I never met him. Uh, Margie was a Jewel, though. She was. Uh, keep in mind that. Yeah, did you want to say something? Uh, keep in mind that the way the church started here is several of the members from Highland, or at least members living in this area. It was one of those. One of those kind of works where basically you just help build it in this area. And that's the kind of, that's the kind of area. It's a mission work, and that's the kind of uh, work that you want to see accomplished. Uh, oftentimes the way we grow is we split off and not under pleasant terms. That's not the best of situation. It's better if you see an area that's growing to, uh, to just have that to be a mission uh, area. And that's kind of the way that the Highland Church viewed this work down here. And uh, that's a way to keep the church alive. Anybody else remember anything? Y'all going to make me tell all the stories, aren't you? How many did we have back in uh, 1979 attending? Anybody remember? We had, um, uh, we had about 140 to 160. I think when I left here, it was 160. And that was average for 1983. What are some of the other things that you remember? Anything? All right, you're going to make me tell my stories. One of the things that uh, I enjoyed very much um, 
was uh, David Taylor, who was a Mississippi Highway Patrolman, would come by every once in a while and say, do you want to ride with me? Now, you would get fired for that today. You wouldn't be allowed to do it. But back in those days, uh, they didn't think too much about it. So one night over in West Branch, uh, David knocks on the door and says, you want to ride with me? And Carol had just fixed me a bowl of popcorn. And I have a glass of Coca-Cola. And I said, yes, I'll ride with you, but uh, I'm about to eat my popcorn. And Carol said, well, I'll put it in a paper sack. So she put it in a paper sack. And so here I am with just a glass, like you'd regular glass, no bottle, just a glass. And I've got my bag of popcorn. And I get in, in that uh, Mississippi patrol car. David backs out of West Branch. I'm still holding this thing. And he drives down the end of uh, West Branch, comes to uh, Goodman Road. And uh, he turns right. And as soon as he turns right, there's a car that comes over the hill that is probably going 75 miles an hour. So if you're a policeman, what are you going to do? A patrolman. Well, David does a jack leg turn. And he heads out after this guy. And here I am. Mm, 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 mm. And so the guy goes through. I mean, he's going 50, 60 miles. He's trying to outrun David. And just through town, he's going that fast. He ends up going around Maywood. And uh, after the whole, David finally catches him. And after the whole episode, David said, if you hadn't been with me, I would have never caught that guy. Uh, David was pretty rough with that guy. He was pretty, pretty upset with him. But that's one of the memories that I had. You know, just the fact that back in the good old days, you can just kind of do something like that. You, you couldn't even think about doing that today. Uh, another exciting time that we had. Uh, I was preaching here at the building on Sunday night. And there was a commotion outside. And lo and behold, there was an air balloon. Anybody remember the air balloon that did a crash landing right out here? And Ken, I think we had more out there than we had for worship service here. <laughs> because people saw that thing. Back in those days, you didn't see very much. But apparently he ran out of gas or whatever it was and, and landed there. And I wrote an article about it. Back in those days, I wrote articles every week. And I... I misspelled balloon. I used the word about five or six times, and Carol will tell you that I'm the worst speller in the world, and uh, that is the truth. And uh, if I want to know how to spell a word, I just ask Siri to, and now, how do you spell, how do you spell this word? But uh, Alan Hires took that bulletin and sent it to me, and he circled every time I misspelled balloon. <laughs> so those are the kind of things that uh, kind of, Keep you straight, I guess. Those are, those are good days. All right, about a minute or two. Last chance. I want to tell the next hour, I want to tell about um, Thursday school. I want to tell about Mid-South, uh, not Mid-South, that's Henderson, sorry. Uh, and it's not Maywood. We worked at both of those. Sardis Lake Christian Camp, I want to tell about that. Uh, those were exciting times. Let me just give you a hint. Guess how many babies we had taken care of here, of here? We called it Thursday School. How many babies do you think we had? 
How many? A bunch. How much is a bunch? We had a waiting list, but we had 70 babies. We had to quit advertising. And, you know, working with young people is really a great thing. Uh, Carol's work with young people, she taught at Rainbow School, which is over at Ripley. And one of the persons guarding the president during the inaugural uh, was one of her students she had as a preschooler. Now that kind of dates you a little bit, isn't it? That, that puts it on there. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to be with you and we'll break for a few minutes and then we'll come right back. <laughs>